won't explain, I can't compromise And ride with me in my foul life Foul Life Podcast is coming back at you, Chad Belding, your host. I'm very fired up about our new series, this, The Essentials of Duck Hunting. We've covered outfitting with Rock Merlot and everything that goes into being successful. We covered outfitting with John David Stanley in Texas and everything that goes into being successful with The Essentials of Duck Hunting, Goose Hunting, Waterfowl Hunting as a whole. And uh, we're going to keep going down this spectrum. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Benelli. Simply the best. The new Super Black Eagle 3. I can't say enough about it. I rave about it. Everything from the weight to the shouldering ability of it, to the comfort level of it, to the low impact of it, to the ability to swing from one target and transition to the next. Um, the, the design that went into it is just awesome. Kudos to the team in Europe and kudos to the team in America, Benelli USA. And today I am talking to the lead of that team in product development, Mr. George Thompson. I have a long-standing friendship with George Thompson. He was the first person I met at Benelli USA with Miss Christy Gates. We met in Houston at the NRA convention, and we've been good buddies ever since. He tries to keep up with me in many athletic events and arguments. And George Thompson, welcome, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Chad. Um, I, you know, I, I like to think I do a bit more than keeping up in these conversations and arguments, but uh, we'll we'll see where this goes, right? <laughs> the last one that you got absolutely throttled on was in Argentina over the best athletes in the world. No, no, okay, okay. So it wasn't the best athletes. It was it was what sport is more athletic, right? And and we got you. You wanted to make no, this big no, argument. that's not it. I said that if you take all the major sports in the world, from Olympic sports to professional sports, and if you take a, a player off of each team in the NFL, the major leagues, the NBA, the USA softball team, the USA swimming team, any, any sport you want, U.S. wrestling team, boxing team, skiing team, snowboarding team, whatever it is, and you take one player off of each team, and then you put them in an Olympic-style you know, just an entire Olympic style of ping pong, basketball, football, catching a pass, running a football, catching a baseball, grounding baseball, hitting a baseball, swimming across the pool, playing cornhole, whatever it is, the baseball player is going to win a majority of the events over a soccer player, a swimmer, a football player, a boxer, because <laughs> our, because we they're just better all around athletes. So that's been my argument. And I'm going to stick with that. No, well, yeah, okay. So your argument has been all along that that the 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 baseball player is the best athlete, and that and that is where you're wrong. Now the context has changed a little bit. How you frame this whole conversation enough's changed. Oh God, you're so nuts, but dude. It doesn't I would love change. to get you. I would love to get you on because you're what what you're a soccer player or badminton. I can't remember what you played in college, but I would smoke <laughs> you in bowling and ping pong and. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Well, this isn't me and you, right? I know, this is not me against but you. But I'm just talking about overall, if you went to the major leagues and you took a player off of all 30 teams, they're going to beat the football players, one off of all those teams, one off of every basketball team, one out of every no, swimming no, team. No, 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 no. They no. They're, they're going to beat them in baseball, sure. No, you think, gonna... that a fo- you think that a football player can out-bowl or out-golf or out-ping-pong a baseball player? Are you being well, for real? Well, I'm not saying that football is the most most what athletic. Sport? What sport? Uh, what athletes? The argument that we were making at the time, I was using soccer as, okay, as the soccer, best athletes. Soccer, they will never compare in bowling and and swimming and and ping pong or okay, swinging well, is, a baseball is, bat. Is bowling really a sport? I mean, can, I why think it we, is. It's hard. Uh, you ever bowled over a 220 without bumper well, that, lanes? 
is pool a sport and darts yes. a sport and yes. no, come on sports if you're not sweating you're it's not an it's athletic not event it's an athletic event it's a game of, of skill it's like checkers or something I, you, you know, see this thing i'm waving in front of the camera i, I hope i know what that is yes okay i'm gonna show it to you <laughs> i'm gonna show it to you a little bit more oh you see yeah it more yeah there yeah, we bring, go i'm bringing it across the screen yeah. What I am holding for the people not watching on YouTube is a Super Black Eagle 3 left-handed Rob Roberts choke tube in there, high-vis sight. And it's got a new technology, a new coating. It's available right now through Benelli USA. You can check it out on their website, B period, E period, S period, T period, best technology. That is the main, the main thing I want to cover today is, you know, a, a Part of our essential of duck hunting series, George, is the gun, the reliability, the dependability of the gun. You've been on several hunts with me. We've been in flooded timber. We've been in standing corn. We've been in flooding corn. We've been in peas. We've been, or not peas, peanuts. Um, we've been in a lot of different scenarios, guns laying in the dirt, guns laying in a blind, guns hanging on a tree, guns falling in the water, guns in the boat, getting knocked around, um, guns being kept in cases after a hunt because we were so excited to go get back to the lodge and eat Mr. Billy's breakfast in Arkansas. And we didn't take him out of the case maybe for a couple hours. All of this goes into the essentials of duck hunting and having a machine, something that is at your side that is that is comparable to anything else in the duck blind as far as your high-powered duck dog or the four-wheeler or boat you used to get in there. And now the ducks present themselves. The geese come in, they're back flapping over the decoys. Now it's time to go to work and capitalize on the opportunity that we all dream of as waterfowl hunters. The Benelli's the best, hands down, no questions asked. That's not what this conversation is about. We don't need to hard sell what's already considered the best by duck hunters all over the world. But now you guys up your game again, not just with taking the Super Black Eagle 2 and having people go, well, now what could be better? Which you blew that out of the water with the 3, and now at SHOT Show you introduce this new technology, this new coding called BEST. I want to start with that. You were a big part of that in the process of that. It's been in the works for a lot of years. Talk to me about BEST. Well, you know, thanks for all your, your kind words. We're obviously quite proud of it, and uh, we, of course, believe in it. And, you know, as you were mentioning all the different aspects and, and, and pieces of a successful waterfowl hunt, you know, the boat, the art, the, the ATV, all the gear that you need, you know, all that stuff requires maintenance, right? Um, just, just like the shotgun, the, the Super Black Eagle requires maintenance. Um, and, you know, in order for any machine to operate properly, you got to keep up on that maintenance. So what, what we've been trying to do, what we started hell, over 10 years ago was how do we make how do we make maintenance less of a problem, right? How do, how do you reduce the amount of maintenance? How do you make the guns last longer, run further in between maintenance cycles uh, and so on? And that's really what the idea behind BEST was. Um, it's, it's a new proprietary finish. Um, only Benelli uh, in the whole world owns this finish. And I mean, in, in all industries. Um, and it's, it's developed and designed to make rust not be a factor anymore. Um, any part that has been treated with our best finish um, is no longer susceptible to rusting um, ever, really. Um, we put a 25-year warranty on it, but they're never going to rust. And, uh, and yeah, we're very proud of it. And, and it's not I, – I, I'm, I'm going to refer to it throughout this thing as a finish, okay? But I want to kind of differentiate a little bit between finishes, right? Because um, there's a lot of different finishes out in the market. Camo is a finish. Um, matte blue is a finish. This is vastly different than any of those and the technology that's used to apply it. This is a hybrid PVD, PECVD technology. Um, 
that means it's not a spray on, it's not a paint on, it's not a film. It's actually molecularly bonded to the metal, right? They're one in the same. And I think that's really relevant because there's a lot of finishes out in the market that, that make some pretty bold claims. Um, but when you, know, you put the science to them and you actually test them out, they don't hold up, right? This one will. Um, and and you know, we've got quite a reputation and we're putting all of that reputation behind this product. So first couple questions, and, and this, uh, I, you know, podcasting can be done in so many different forms. There's conversation. This is what this is, is a conversation, but it's not really an interview. It's more of a fact gathering, fact finding um, exploration by me to get this out to the, the listeners, because I think it's very important for them to understand. And the first thing that comes to mind is the display that was uh, the, the guns that were on display at shot in January. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that testing and what that was done and, and what kind of water was it? What kind of time frame? What kind of conditions, temperature, all of this, the climate, everything? So, you know, that, that, that actually kind of evolved out of an idea um, that, that we started in the office there in Akakeek, Maryland, um, which was, you know, they do, they do a lot of laboratory testing, right, where they do a saltwater spray test or they do temperature tests. I mean, it's all done in a very controlled laboratory environment, right? Um, none of us hunt in that environment, right? That's not, that's not what I like to call the real world. Um, yeah, it's good for proving things out scientifically, but the real world has a lot of different factors in it, right? So this actually started um, with a test that I, I had one of our product guys, um, he, he tied a string to the barrel and he threw it as far as he could out into a river that flows into the Chesapeake Bay, which is a, a saltwater tidal river. Um, and so what would happen is the tide would go out, the barrel would be exposed, you know, on, on dry land. Tide comes in, the barrel submerged. Um, and we wanted to see just, you know, how long that barrel could go before it was rusting. Um, so after about a month, um, to be honest, I, I forgot about it. Um, and we ended up leaving that barrel out there for about five months altogether. And this was every day, 24 hours a day covered in salt water, exposed to the air, covered in salt water, exposed to the air, any temperature that you can imagine, because we did it through over the winter. Um, but it also um, actually, actually we started it in the summer and it went through the winter. So uh, anyway, th that's where this idea started. And, and we eventually, um, I needed that barrel for a presentation. So I had our guy go back and get it. And the thing looked brand new. I mean, it was covered in mud and had, had seaweed and stuff on it, right? But we cleaned it up. And uh, the finish was still 100% intact, not a, not a show of rust anywhere on this thing. And I said, holy, holy crap, you know, how do we, how do we present this to somebody like in a, in a somewhat more controlled environment, right? How do we display this? Um, so I, I started doing some small scale tests in the office and I created like these makeshift fog tanks right out of using salt water that I went and scooped up with buckets out of the river. Um, and eventually that turned into the SHOT Show display, right? And the SHOT Show display was a, was a very nice acrylic case that had uh, salt water that was uh, created, right? It was made using, um, uh, what's the stuff you buy at the pet, stop, pet store? Um, Instant Ocean. Um, so we created the salt water on the bottom. We put foggers and misters inside of there so they could create this kind of salt water vapor all in the air. And what was unique about the SHOT Show um, demonstration that, frankly, we were going to do again at, at the NRA show, but that was, that was uh, canceled, um, is that we started it the first day of SHOT Show. So the first day of SHOT Show, when we put those our, our barrels and the competitive um, product barrels in there, they were all brand new, fresh out of the box, had oil on them, the whole deal. 
And by the end of SHOT Show, you saw those barrels. What, what did they look like? The ones that were the ones that were not treated. Yeah, yeah, the competitor oh, barrels. Yeah, it was it was it looked like they had been sitting in a gun case wet for for two months. I mean, when you pull it out and it's just yeah. speckled with rust. Yeah, they were they were completely unusable at that point. And it wasn't just surface rust either. There was some no, really inside deep pitting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was deep pitting. It wasn't something you could just wipe away. And that was just over the course of four days, right? Um, and you take that out, it's pretty easy to extend that out for you know, a hunting season or five hunting seasons or 10 hunting seasons. And then ultimately to the life of, of the product, right. And, and your hunting uh, career, if you will, right. It's going to last that entire time. Um, so that was just a, a small way to kind of try and demonstrate because again, every, everybody out there has got to finish, right. Everybody out there has a finish that they say is better than everybody else's finish. Right. Um, but what we want to do is prove it. Right. We don't want to just say we have a great finish. Right. We're going to back it up with the proof. Right. We have all the laboratory testing. Right. We can get as scientific as you want to on this finish. But at the end of the day, we want we want to put it in the environment in which people are going to use it and let the product demonstrate itself. Right. Let the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah. And I, thinking back on Vegas and, and I was looking forward to talking to you guys again, you know, pretty much next week in Nashville at NRA it was it was vastly noticeable of of what would take place if a competitor's gun was left in water at a very short amount of time compared to what y'all had done mm -hmm. in this saltwater river running into the Chesapeake Bay. One of the questions that comes to mind is what you mentioned in your introduction of best technology and coding and finish, George, is the Super Black Eagle 3, there's certain parts of it that are going to be finished. Give me an idea of what guns this is going to be available on in 2020 and what parts of those guns are going to be finished in best. Well, in, in 2020, there are there's literally only four guns, four SKUs um, that have this treatment on them. Um, there's a 26 and 28 inch Super Black Eagle, and then there's a 26 and a 28 inch Ethos, which is our three inch platform. Um, and it is a total treatment, right? And what does that mean exactly, right? I think that was your question. Um, what that means is that it's not just the barrel, it's not just the external parts of the gun. Any part on the gun that was blued steel has now been best treated. So that means the barrel, uh, the bolt, the bolt handle, the even the little bolt release button and the safety, they've, they've all been treated with our best technology. Um, if it was a, a, a previously nickel plated part, we, we didn't need to treat those because nickel plating parts don't rust. Um, if it's an aluminum part, we obviously don't need to treat that because that doesn't rust. But anything that was a blue steel part has now been treated with the best finish. And, and again, it's a long list of parts um, and it's a total treatment, right? Even the uh, the recoil spring assembly that's in the buttstock, right? Treated. So that's what uh, I was going to ask is inter this counts internally as well, right? Absolutely. You know, we, none of the springs are treated because you can't apply this technology to a spring, um, but we use stainless steel springs. So they're not going to rust already. But you said the spring in the, in the comfort tech is? The, 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 the tube, in the, the tube. In the, in that houses the spring is treated. Is treated the uh, the nut that closes that tube. Uh, it's actually a bolt that closes that tube. Treated the tail on the bolt that pushes down into that recoil spring tube. Treated. So again, it's it's every part that could rust has now been treated. I I, I did my own amount of testing. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that I've put out there, but I I intentionally did things to the gun. Um, you were I was lucky enough to be able to test the one that you sent me before the season started. 
and I intentionally did things to it that a hunter never would. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what you told me to do. And I'm look, I'm literally looking at this gun right now and it, it, I, I'm not exaggerating. It has never been wiped off. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it, it does not have one speck of rust throughout the entire gun. What yeah. causes rut, George, there, there's not a worse feeling in duck hunting. And it happens a lot when you're new to it. You got your shotgun case, your floating shotgun case. You leave your gun in there on accident or on purpose, but you take it out and you're just, you get that, that fright just goes over your entire body. What yeah. did I do? What causes that? Well, you know, first of all, the floating shotgun cases, a lot of them, not, not all of them, of course, but a lot of them are, um, uh, they work against you as it relates to preventing rust because they're sealed, right? They don't let any air pass through the case, um, which means if there's moisture inside of there, it stays inside there. Um, so, you know, water, waterproof or floating cases are, are not really great as it, as it relates to preventing rust. But what creates rust very simply is moisture and air, right? Um, you have to have both. Uh, you know, obviously it starts from moisture, but if you were just to like that test we did uh, in Vegas, right? Where we had the, the, the mist and the fog environment. Um, that's way more effective at creating rust than if you just submerge the barrel in water because there's not much air underwater, right? There's not air to, to kind of feed that rust and make it grow. So those are really the two things that create the rust, right? Moisture and air. Um, and when you have that inside of a sealed area, like a, a floating gun case, for example, you're going to have rust create uh, form very, very quickly. I mean, in, in the matter of hours, you'll have surface rust starting to form. Now, generally, as long as you get to it soon, you can wipe it off and it's no big deal. Um, but if you don't get to it soon, it turns into a problem pretty quickly. But I did that intentionally with this gun and there wasn't yeah. any on it. And that, no. that, that right there in itself is, is like, it's amazing to think that you can leave this gun overnight or two nights in a gun case wet Mm -hmm. And open that gun case up and have it look like it did when you bought it off the shelf at your retailer. Yeah, and, and you have to remember too, I mean, you, you, we're talking about a hunting situation and, and maybe the gun got wet or, or whatever and you put it in a gun case. You know, I used to work retail many, many years ago in, in a gun shop and you had hundreds of guns on display. Um, it was a nightly um, operation to have to go through and wipe every single one of those guns down because from people handling them throughout the day, there's moisture on your hands, right? And you'll leave moisture on the guns from your fingerprints and from your hands that then will turn into rust if you aren't on top of it. So it's not just using it out hunting, right? You could you could have a gun in your safe, pull it out and show it to somebody, and then just stick it back in your safe. And if you don't have dehumidifying equipment, um, then the next time you take it out, you're literally going to have rust fingerprints all over that gun. Before you said that it comes in the 26 and 28 inch barrel in the Super Black Eagle three synthetic stocks obviously the parts are going to be treated with best is that just in this color of black right is that the only color that this technology is offered in it is right now um, so obviously we're working on coloration uh, it'll probably take us some time to, to to figure that out this is a whole new technology and it took altogether over 10 years to develop um, the best technology um, in fact there was there were many milestones that we had to get to in order to uh to, to use this technology on a shotgun for, for, here's a small example. Um, you'll notice on that, on that gun you have there has a carbon fiber rib, right? Yep. Right. Um, that's a requirement on a best treated gun. And it's a requirement because a uh, soldered rib or a brazed rib with steel rib 
um, that soldering or brazing that attaches a steel rib to a barrel is not um, perfect. It's not a perfect seal all the way around those attachment points. So if you were just to apply the best treatment to that gun, you would have areas that are not treated in where rust could, could grow, right? So what they had to do was develop a laser welding technology, which they laser welded posts onto the top of the barrel in which that then slides the carbon fiber rib over the top of it. So this wasn't a, the whole process from start to finish wasn't strictly about developing the technology. It was also about changing the gun and some of the features of the gun so that when you applied this technology, it, 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 you maximized it, right? You got 100% coating. You got 100% adhesion. Um, you, you treated all of the parts that needed to be treated. Um, it was quite a process, and that's why it took so many years, uh, millions of dollars worth of investment uh, at the Benelli plant over in Urbino. Um, again, it's the only uh, machine in the world um, that can apply this finish. It's a machine that they obviously purchased and then highly modified um, to develop and, uh, and apply this finish. Um, so it's, it's quite a process. With millions of dollars invested of actual money and then all the hours of sweat equity. Absolutely. Does, the, does this affect MSRP or the suggested retail price that a, that a customer can expect to go in and see on the shelves this year? Well, yeah, it does. Uh, the, the MSRP on the gun you have in your hand there, Super Black Eagle 3 with the full best treatment. Um, again, it's internal, external, everywhere on the gun. Um, that has an MSRP of just over two grand, um, whereas the standard gun is, uh, is uh, about 200 bucks less. Um, so there's, a, there's about a, a $200 upcharge for the best treatment over a camouflage gun. Now, with that being said, a, a customer is going to still have an option of the guns without best, right? He'll still be able to oh, get yeah. it in the camo patterns. And, and can you still get it in black synthetic without the best? Yeah, of course. Of course. We do black synthetic. We do more camo patterns than any other company out there, whether it's Realtree, Mossy Oak, Sitka, Optifade, um, and, and even some new guns in True Timber camo. So we do all the, the whole spectrum of coloration. Um, the best is just a, a supplement to that, an additional additional set of SKUs to that. Okay, so let's back up. We'll we'll get back to best because I'm going to have some questions as far as this upcoming season and what guys and girls can expect out of the, this technology. But I want to get into layman's terms talk of a dealer has a Super Black Eagle on the shelf or an Ethos and give me, you were a, you were a sales associate in retail at one time. So you know, your way around a gun counter a guy says, let me see that super black Eagle three. He or she is not privy to exactly what the differences are in some of the things that I'm going to say. What is the difference between gas and inertia in a layman's terms? In layman's if terms, you can, if, if you can't do it in layman's terms, just tell me what a guy or a girl that's going to shoot a gas gun can expect different than when he or she picks up a Benelli with the inertia system in it. So look, there, there's pros and cons either way, right? And it's just really defined. It's really defined by uh, how you, the individual person, not you, Chad Belding, um, but how the individual person values those pros and cons. Okay, so uh, gas guns operate by taking gas, you know, pressure from the shell and recycling it back into the action to make the, 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 the action cycle, to make the bolt move, if you will. Um, an inertia gun uses a simple spring that's located inside the bolt body. So there is no recycling of gas into, in an inertia gun. So pluses and minuses for both, right? Gas-operated guns 
um, tend to kick a little bit less than an inertia operated gun. That's generally for two reasons. Number one is they actually use some of the energy of the shell to cycle the action. But number two, because they're also generally heavier than an inertia operated gun, because there's more parts that are included, right? When you have more parts, obviously it's going to weigh more. An inertia operated gun is going to be substantially lighter um, and it's going to uh, shoot for a longer period of time between cleanings because it's not recycling that gas throughout the action. You know, it, there, there's really there's really kind of two trains of thought here, right? Um, I, actually, let me back up. Historically, there was two trains of thought, right? Um, do you want a gun that um, uh, is lighter or do you want a gun that kicks heavier or, or that kicks less, right? Because they, they, they kind of oppose each other. Lightweight and heavy recoil, um, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Which is, which is why backing way up in time, um, Benelli started working on recoil reduction technologies um, back in the 90s, actually, and they, they actually introduced them to the market in uh, 04. Um, but so the, the purpose of our recoil reduction technologies on the gun that you have there, the Comfort Tech 3 with the, the Comb Tech uh, cheek insert, the purpose there is not to make uh, the Super Black Eagle 3 kick less than a, than a heavy gas-operated gun, because physics, physics is working against us right there, right? Because if you have a gun that weighs a pound or a pound and a half more than ours, and you shoot the same shells through them, our gun's going to kick a little bit more. However, the purpose of that recoil reduction is to make them kick about the same, because um, it's just not really possible to have our gun kick less than a heavier gun, right? So the purpose of that recoil reduction is, is to kind of mitigate recoil from being part of the conversation. So then the, the conversation turns into more reliability, right? Um, and more ergonomics and ease of carry and those kinds of things. Um, so, you know, kind of boiling that down, what's that mean? Well, gas operated guns do tend to kick a little bit less. They require a lot more maintenance and they're heavier. Inertia operated guns don't require nearly as much maintenance. They're a much lighter um, and are uh, therefore also different ergonomically, right? They feel different because there's the, the weight balance is different. The, the thickness of the forearm is much different. Um, I don't feel like I did a very good job. Answering no, I think, the I think you're doing a great job ergonom <laughs> ergon ergonomically as far as the weight distribution and all of that, because of the parts and, you know, the different parts that it takes to run, you know, the, the, to run the gas function of a gun is not in an inertia gun, obviously. So does that mean that a shooter of uh, male or female doesn't matter what size you are or how heavy you are body weight or how strong your arms are? Do you shoot an inertia gun different as far as form goes, technique goes, the way that you shoulder a gun? Is there can a, can a guy or girl expect that this fall when they pick up their first Benelli that they're going to have to know some things before they go out to that sporting clays range? Well, yeah, they, they absolutely shoot differently, right? They feel differently. You shoulder them differently. And, and we're talking about hunting here, right? Um, so I, I don't like to have – I don't like to talk about hunting and sporting clays in like the same – breath, so to speak. Um, because when you're hunting, you know, you're not, you're not, uh, you don't have the gun mounted, right? You don't know exactly where the target's going to come from. Um, your gun's sitting up against the, 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 the pit or it's, you know, hanging on your shoulder or on a tree, wherever it may be. And it's about being able to grab that gun, get it to your shoulder, acquire the target and shoot quickly. Right. Um, and a lightweight gun that, fits you better and has, you know, ergonomics um, conducive to fast handling, you're going to shoot better, right? Whereas the flip side of that, if you're talking about sporting clays, you know, you're going to be pre-mounted, you know exactly where the target's coming from, 
you do a couple of practice swings beforehand, you know, so a heavier gun is more conducive to that. Um, so they're, they're kind of apples and oranges, right? You, there is no such thing as one gun that's great for everything. Totally understand what you're saying. There's always been people that would tell me like, you have to pull the gun into your shoulder more and push your shoulder into the gun more to get the highest performance level of the inertia system. Is there any validity and truth to that? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it, more so on older guns, right? The newer guns, we've, we've mitigated that substantially. So if you were to go back in time or you have a, an old gun in your safe, perhaps, and you grab a old super black Eagle one um, or an M one that does not have any recoil reduction in the buttstock that has a pretty uh, rigid rubber recoil pad on the back of it. Um, and you were to take that and put it up against something that's not movable, like a tree or a cinder block wall. Um, and fire the gun, um, you'll probably have cycling issues there because the gun needs a certain amount of movement, uh, an inertia-operated gun, let me clarify, needs a certain amount of movement in order for it to operate properly, okay? Because what actually happens when an inertia gun is fired is the bolt body and bolt assembly um, remains relatively stationary, and the rest of the gun moves backwards around that bolt body. And that's what compresses the spring inside of the bolt body. Now, we're talking very little bit of movement. I mean, you know, fractions of an inch. I um, mean, it happens incredibly fast. You can't see this with your eyes. Um, but if you make it so that the gun can't move relative to the bolt, you'll have cycling issues, yes. Now, I say we've mitigated that because with Comfort Tech and, and all the advancements we have in recoil pads and recoil reduction technologies, um, we've basically made it to where you can't hold the gun uh, firm enough to, to reduce the reliability of it. That gun you have there in your hands, if you were to put that up against a tree or a brick wall, it's still going to cycle just fine because the gun movement will come from the recoil reduction compression, right? The chevrons compressing, the recoil pad compressing, that'll give it that fraction of an inch movement that it needs to cycle properly. And how much does going from a September 1st dove hunt to a late January big Canada goose hunt matter, depending on the shot size you're using and the weight of that shot? Well, obviously the energy of the shell um, does matter as it comes to uh, reliable operation of the gun. Um, that's why with uh, the Super Black Eagle, we recommend a minimum load of one and one eighth ounce and three drams. Um, and anything at that weight or heavier will ensure ultimate reliability. It'll ensure 100% reliability. Um, and, you know, one and one eighth ounce, three dram load is a double load right? That is a standard kind of target load. Um, there are lighter loads out there, don't get me wrong, um, but that's your standard target load. Um, and then, you know, from there all the way up through a three and a half inch super magnum, um, you get the same level of reliability. There's no difference there. For years, it, you would hear people talk about the infamous click. You guys made changes in the last four years, five years for somebody that's getting back into their first Benelli or getting, you know, looking at a Benelli again, what can they be rest assured that has changed with the action, with the introduction of the ethos back in the day. And now that's been transitioned into the super black Eagle three. So the click, uh, what the click is, um, is essentially the bolt not being fully seated, really the bolt head more specifically not being fully seated into the barrel. Um, so generally speaking, if you, if you're loading the gun, you have the bolt locked to the rear, you drop a shell in and you hit the button on the side, bolt slams forward. Yep. Just like that. You're ready to go. 
Okay. Now, what could happen in some in some you know, rare circumstances is if you're walking along and that bolt handle gets grabbed on a branch and pulls it back just a little bit, or maybe if you slam it down in the goose pit real hard against the floor, um, that bolt will open up just a little bit. Then when you pull it up to shoot, you get a click, right? So yeah, the people that it happened to, it, it sucks, right? It's, 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 a, it's kind of a, a it doesn't, I want to say it ruins your day, but you obviously don't hit the, the bird that you're getting ready to shoot. Um, and you generally, it only happens once, right? Because then you know what happened and you know, you start being a bit more careful about it. Um, and, it, you know, this wasn't, wasn't really what I would call a huge problem. Um, you know, you get a couple people complain about it every year, but it wasn't, it wasn't like widespread, the guns were clicking, right? It was really weird circumstances. Um, if, if everything went wrong in just the right way, you'd get the click, right? Um, so in 2013, when we launched Ethos, we addressed that with a new bolt lockup system. And inside there you have a, it's a basic, it's a simple spring and ball detent that just puts pressure on that bolt head to keep it rotated and locked in the battery. So, so even if you bump it or the, the bolt handle gets caught on a branch and unlocks the bolt just a little bit, it will lock back up all on its own. Um, and that was an extremely successful, very reliable system that naturally we've been incorporating in all of our new guns since then, um, including the Super Black Eagle 3. It's, it has, we call it an easy locking system. Um, and it's just another level of reliability. You know, one of the things that we struggle with um, you know, if I'm being really honest with you guys is, is, it, you know, we're trying to make a Ferrari faster here. We're trying yeah. to make the best of better. Um, I've always told you that it and, blows and my mind. Gosh, it, it gets really, really hard. So when we start addressing things as small as that click, which happened, you know, a fraction of 1% of the time, um, we're, we're really looking, looking for, for every level of improvement that we can. Um, and it was, it was a relatively easy one that we, that we, incorporated almost eight years ago now. Um, I can't believe it's been that long. Time freaking flies. Yeah. I, yeah. It's unbelievable. What year was, it doesn't matter. It's, it's unbelievable. So along those same lines, keep going. What you're trying to make a Ferrari faster. The super black Eagle too. I told you in Oklahoma straight to your face. I go, you can't make this gun better. And you go, <laughs> well, wait till you see this three. So you're the man when it comes to, we did a very cool tutorial that day in Oklahoma on the foul life TV show. But now it's several years later, new listeners, new Benelli customers, new guys that are in, girls interested in Benelli. Talk to me about everything that went into the Super Black Eagle 3 different than what was on that people had on their Super Black Eagle 2. One of the questions I always get is when did you start working on Super Black Eagle 3, right? We started working on it the day after we launched Super Black Eagle 2. That's when we started working on it. Um, and from 2005 through 2017, we were in development. Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's really, really hard trying to find ways to make the best even better. But we, we feel like we were not only successful in Super Black Eagle 3, but that we knocked it out of the park. Because we looked at every single piece of the gun and, and figured out a way to improve it ergonomically, functionally, or cosmetically, right? Um, so really from, from the muzzle to the buttstock, there's not a part on the gun that wasn't um, evaluated in some level of updates that were done. Um, so you have, you know, the very easy one, the Super Black Eagle 3 comes with some extended choke tubes, right? Starting at the muzzle. Um, very easy, very, um, 
user-friendly choke tubes. You can look at it and see what constriction they are. You can put them in or out with your hands. You don't need a wrench. Um, coming back, the magazine cap, right? When we're talking about improving the magazine cap, I mean, we're, we're looking at every single angle and, and, and aspect of the gun that you can. So how do we change the magazine cap? Well, we put a uh, new buffer system inside there that eliminates it from, from seizing onto the magazine tube, right? Um, I'm sure everybody's had a, seen somebody take a pair of channel locks to a magazine cap before to get the barrel off. Um, you're never going to have to do that on this gun because it's got an anti-seize buffer in there. Um, we changed uh, the angles on the exterior of the cap itself so that's almost triangular uh, in shape to give you a better purchase as you're trying to take that cap off. Um, coming back to the forearm itself, um, it's been slimmed down um, and there's been a finger groove inserted not inserted, that's not a good good word, uh, a finger groove channel placed um, along the length of the forearm so that really wherever you grab that forearm, you get a really nice purchase, a really nice hold on the gun that is uh, extremely comfortable, of course. Very sleek, very sleek. Oh, yeah. I mean, super feels like a golf Feels like a golf club, you know, like when you grip a golf club. Yeah, I mean, we've always been very slim and lightweight guns, and we, we kind of took that to another level with the Super Black Eagle 3, right? It's even slimmer and lighter than the, than the Super Black Eagle 2 was. Um, so, you know, and then coming into the bolt body, right, we've got the easy lock system, which I've just described. Um, we have the larger bolt handle, which is just easier to operate the gun. Uh, enlarged bolt release, again, easier to operate, especially when it's really cold out. Um, and you're wearing big, thick gloves, right? It's just easier to operate the features of the gun, operate the mechanisms. Um, large uh, safety button. We even cut out the area around the cartridge drop lever to make that easier to manipulate. Um, we improved the shim system that's in the buttstock so that you get more, uh, more adjustment um, for dropping cast there. We changed the ergonomics of that pistol grip, um, which is what we call kind of a rounded finger approach. Um, and what we want to have basically is when you lay your, your palm against that uh, grip, that your finger just falls into the trigger, right? You're not having to reposition your hand in any way. It has to be comfort. It has to be natural. Um, and it just has to be effortless, right? Um, and, then, and then obviously in the buttstock, we have a comb tech, which is a very soft cheek piece that reduces uh, the facial impact of the heavy three and a half inch shells. Of course, it works across the whole spectrum of ammunition. Um, but you'll no notice it most on the heavier shells. Um, we optimize the total recoil reduction of the stock by um, changing the spacing, direction, and size of the chevrons in the buttstock. And then, of course, change the, um, the material uh, of the recoil pad along with the chevrons and the cone piece. That is a, uh, like an air foam material. It's very lightweight, but also has maximum recoil reduction. So altogether, we, you know, we improved the reliability of the gun through the easy lock system. Uh, we improve the ergonomics of the gun through the uh, grip angles, the shim adjustments and so on. We improve the recoil reduction of the gun um, by changing the chevron placement angles and materials. The comb tech, completely new system that we put in there to reduce the recoil. Um, and we did all of that stuff while at the same time reducing the overall weight of the gun by a quarter of a pound. Which which equals what when you're talking 28 inch barrel? Uh, it's about five ounces. Really? Yeah. That came off. That came off of the gun. Yeah. For a total for a total weight of. It weighs right at seven pounds. You know, given it varies a little bit between barrel length, um, but about seven pounds. 
the first thing that would come to somebody's mind, which we touched on in the beginning of this conversation was recoil, right? The lighter the gun, the more. The more so the first thought that's going to go through a guy's head when he hears you say that you just dropped it five ounces to seven pounds total for a 28 inch barrel shotgun, you put a three and a half inch shell in there. That's a hot load. It is. And, and we improve the recoil reduction. So you really, if you, when you shift from a super black Eagle two to a three, um, you're going to have a lighter gun that ultimately kicks less um, because of the improved recoil reduction. Again, going back to my statement about best, that's amazing. That's not heard of, right? That's not right how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. You know, Hey, I, just to be real clear, uh, I'm, I'm not an engineer. I am not the, the mastermind behind um, how this thing works. Um, I like to think I'm more of an idea guy and I, and I have a great team of engineers that work over in Italy in Urbino, Italy. Um, and I give them the craziest ideas in the world and they somehow or another figure out how to make it work, you know, in, in the science world and bring it to a, bring it to a final product. Um, so, you know, I, I say stuff like, can we make it, can we make it a little bit lighter? And they say, Oh, how are we going to do that? Right. And then a year later they say they figured it out, right. We did this, this, and this, or I say, Hey, we need to, we need to solve this click issue, right. We need to, we need to figure out a way to make the controls easier to use, right? Can we make this bigger? Can we make that bigger? And those guys are, are just, it's almost like black magic what they do to, to create these things. It's pretty amazing. It's a great team that we have. Speaking of the team, George, and you reference Italy and the factories over there, and let's all keep Italy in our prayers during this time of the coronavirus and the COVID-19. I, I've met several of, of, I've hunted with several of them, and I love them. They're great people. What is, if somebody came up to George Thompson and just said, what is the culture of Benelli? And you, and you had to wrap that into the European flavor with the Benelli USA, with the American duck hunter, goose hunter in mind, some upland hunters, all of that stuff. What is the culture of Benelli? Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's all built around passion, right? It's about, it's about caring about the, the products and the, the people and ultimately the activities that, that our products are used for. Right. We have a lot of pride in making the very best product that we always can. Um, and it's it's really just about, you know, we're, we're all users at the end of the day. Right. We, we've all hunted. We all shoot sporting clays and we've all had guns, not not Benelli's, hopefully, um, but we've all had guns that have let us down in the past. Right. And it's our passion to make the absolute best product for whatever application somebody might be using it for. Um, you know, I, I think that's really kind of the, the primary driver for all of us is, is that we just care so deeply about our products, customers, and, and, and ultimately what's, what they're being used for. What, what kind of sense of pride, how long have you been in the game now, George, with Benelli? How, when did you leave retail? Uh, so I, I left retail in 05. And, and started with, with Benelli. Benelli. Yeah, I've been with Benelli ever since. So I'm going on 15 years, yeah. 15 years of seeing the best of the best made in waterfowl guns. You, if I invite you on a, a duck hunt tomorrow, I'm going to say we're going to be in North Dakota with Jordan Sargent. We're going to mainly be hunting the Missouri River or Cornfield, and you know how it goes with me. You're going to tell the whole world right now that I suck at calling the shot. I get that. I'll just <laughs> self-admit it right now. What gun are you taking with you tomorrow if the season opens tomorrow and we're in North Dakota under a sky full, bluebird sky of mallards all around us? We're shooting them anywhere from 15 to 35 yards. Well, you know, it's real easy to say Super Black Eagle 3, right? Because that's that's our flagship. That's what that's our newest waterfowl gun. It's what I'm most proud of. Um, but, you know, me personally, um, I, 
I like all of our products. I mean, I, I would take a, 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 an Ethos or an M2 or heck, I'd even bring our 828 out there and shoot shoot ducks or geese with that thing. Um, you know, because I, I, I they're, they're like my children, right? All of them all the same. Um, but, you know, by default, I end up taking Super Black Eagle 3 just about everywhere. But you just admitted that you love all your children the same, right? And you have how many children? You have five? Are we talking real children? Yeah, now? real children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have five. Okay, but and I'm considered a good friend, and I and I think that you should just have the same analogy with good friends. And I'm a good friend. I know that I am. I know that you think about me a lot, even when you're not hearing this voice. <laughs> I've asked several times. I want an ethos in a left-handed 28 gauge, and yeah. I know that you say there's not enough market for that, but I, I don't know. That's up for argument. Is there anything in the works for that design gun? that weight, that feel, maybe not left-handed, but is there anything in the synthetic form, anything on the, on the map for ethos in the future uh, so, that you can, that you can let out of the bag? I'm not asking you to say <laughs> proprietary stuff. So yeah, obviously we've got a, uh, a product road uh, that we're always working towards and working on. Um, and I've got, you know, at the minimum five years of really, really exciting new products coming for folks. Um, next year is going to be a big year for us. Um, we're going to have a, a pretty exciting product coming. Uh, not at liberty to give you much detail about it, but it'll you check can't some even of tell me what part. You can't tell me what part of the hunting spectrum it involves. Uh, all of it. <laughs> all of it. All yeah, of no, it. It's going to be an exciting year for us. Um, you know, and and with any with any product company, you know, this is kind of cyclical, right? Because you can't have a Super Black Eagle three every year. Um, uh, it's just, it just doesn't work like that. I, I wish it did really, but you know, we're not, we're not in the electronics industry. We're not making phones. You know, these things take a long time for us to develop a long time to test and, and to finally bring the market. So it, it, it usually is like every three or four years, but that we have a big hit and home run. Um, and next year is probably going to be our big one. Um, we had a great launch this past year with Lupo, our first ever bolt action rifle. And of course our best, uh, finishing technology. Um, but those are a little bit, well, best is right in our wheelhouse. Lupo is a little bit out of our wheelhouse, right? It's our first ever bolt action gun. Semi-automatic hunting sh shotguns is always going to be our wheelhouse. And we've got some pretty big plans for next year. Oh God. I, I literally like went from being semi-tired to like wide awake. Like I was up late last night, up early this morning, two cups of coffee, a diet Dr. Pepper. And I literally just woke up like a bird dog just got let out of a kennel. Yeah, that stuff I, I, gets me. I don't know this many years in the game. I keep looking at the clock of our podcast and I'm like, dude, it seems like we've been talking five minutes. We're going on an hour right now. And it's like, <laughs> this stuff gets me so excited and you get to work in it every day. And I was talking yesterday to the guy on a podcast about, man, I just don't know if I can walk into another Cabela's. I don't know if I want another box of sporting goods delivered to my house. You start to take stuff for granted. And then I go on a youth hunt with my daughter and boom, I'm rejuvenated, right? It just, it mm -hmm. kicks you in the ass and you're like, damn it, I love this life, right? And then I hear this conversation and I'm a part of it and I'm like, I can't wait to see what 2020 and 2021 hold in store for Benelli. So this is going to be a January 2021 announcement at SHOT Show. We can look forward to this. 
That's the plan right now. Yes. That's the plan. So you mentioned again, you brought back in the loop of the rifle. We're going to have another uh, podcast down the road where I'll bring Clinton Clay and Alex in on that with a new podcast format that we're launching called where the payment ends. I want to get them talking about that because I know we're going to get some shipped in here and test those out. Back to best, back to the Super Black Eagle 3, any of the guns that you're going to look at black and, and, and you're going to have an option of buying this. There's four SKUs, you said? Yeah, there's be two, two Ethos and two Super Black Eagle 3s. That are going to be know, available. And and I would ask folks that are, that are listening to, to pay attention, right? Because it's going to be somewhat difficult to differentiate between a black gun and a best gun um, if you're looking across a retail counter at them because they do look almost identical. Um, so if, if you, if you, if you, you know, if you're confused or you have a question, ask the sales associate that's working there, ask them to explain the difference. Um, obviously the best gun is going to cost a little bit more, in my opinion, worth every penny. Um, but they will be difficult to identify on the shelf, um, because they look so much similar to a, uh, a black gun. Will they still be marked like this, this test gun was on the barrel? Yeah. Yeah. That'll It'll have best. Yeah, that that and I think uh, the the final guns have another marking back on the receiver near uh, Super Black Eagle um, that also says best, um, but pretty pretty hard to differentiate them from across the counter. So you talked about you know every three or four years that you guys have a big announcement, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a new fireworks, right? Some people have the ideology or the thought process or the mindset when they have a Benelli that that's when they should clean their gun is every three to four years. <laughs> Are you here to tell me different than that? And what what would you tell a new Benelli owner, male, female, first gun? These guns are amazing. They perform day in and day out. This new technology makes them even the more because now you're going to look at it and go, that gun's not even dirty. It hasn't even been used, right? <laughs> What would you tell somebody when it comes to the maintenance? You said at the beginning of this podcast, George Thompson, that maintenance is important on a Ferrari, your boat, your four-wheeler, and and so it is on a Super Black Eagle 3. What do you tell somebody as far as cleanliness, maintenance, oils, lubricants? What's the best thing that a a Benelli user can look for when it comes to maintaining their gun? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question um, because there's a lot of bad information out there, a lot of people that that frankly think they know what they're doing and perhaps maybe they don't. Um, so the, first of all, maintenance really all kind of depends on the environment and the type of use that the, the firearm has seen. So, you know, that it'll vary wildly from one person perhaps to the next. Um, you know, you, for example, who use your guns probably more so than anybody else out in the country is going to need to do more maintenance than, um, than, than I do, who hunts, you know, uh, maybe 10 or, or 15 times a year, right? Um, so it, it really depends on, on the environment um, and, and, you know, how many rounds you're putting through the gun. Do they see moisture? Or are they, you know, in areas where debris can get inside the action? Um, there's, there's a ton of different factors that, that go into that. But so, so that all dictates when you do the maintenance, right? And when you do the maintenance, it's, I can't really give you a definitive answer on that because of that factor. But I will tell you that when you're ready to do the maintenance, um, when you're talking about a Benelli, um, this is how you should do it, right? Uh, field strip the gun down. And, and what I'm going to talk about is, is what I would call a, a detail maintenance, right? It's, it's, it's something that I do on all of my guns once a year, right? Um, and kind of regardless how many times I shoot them. And then in between that, you have just kind of um, – lesser degree of, of cleaning and maintenance, right? So 
strip the gun down, take the barrel off, take the bolt out, take the buttstock off. Okay. That's the key part right there. Um, obviously take yourself, uh, some compressed air or a toothbrush, clean everything out, right? If there's any debris in there, unburnt powder, um, pieces of corn, wheat, whatever, just use the, use it, compressed air or a brush to clean all that stuff out of there. Right. Um, if you need to apply some sort of, sort of cleaning solvent, um, obviously go ahead and do that. Um, but at the end, what you're trying to do is get something that is, um, dry and clean, right? And then, and then, uh, what you want to do though, is pay particular attention to the, the recoil spring, which is inside the tube, which is inside the buttstock. And, and that's why we took the buttstock off of the gun. So inside there is a spring that, that controls how fast the bolt comes back and how hard it goes forward. So it's, it's really, really important to the, to the proper operation of the gun. And unfortunately, because it's kind of hidden in the buttstock, a lot of people ignore it and don't properly maintain it. Um, so once a year, what you want to do is kind of depress the plunger that's at the, uh, the, the bolt, the action end of that. There's a silver plunger that'll be in there. Depress that a little bit. Flush it out with some gun cleaner, break-free CLP. Um, you can use a gun scrubber or a brake cleaner if you want to. The problem with those is that they um, they completely um, uh, desolve. They, they eliminate all of the solvent or oil that could be in there. So typically, when you use a gun scrubber or a brake cleaner type product, you end up having to over apply oil to get it to the proper point. So I use Break Free CLP for just about everything, and I'm not sponsored by them. I don't know who is, but um, I say the last part of that you broke you broke up Break Free Break Free CLP Clean Lubricate Protect. I've used it since I was a teenager, right? I use it on every part of the gun. Um, So. And there's lots of different stuff out there. Use whatever your personal preference is. But do you use, what, do you use the oil that comes with it? <laughs> honestly, no. <laughs> um, every Benelli does come with a little bottle of oil. Um, uh, I think I may have experimented with it a, a couple of times, but frankly, I I don't have a use for it now. So um, break free, clean, lubricate, protect, CLP. Yeah, and every solvent company out there has a CLP type product that will clean, lubricate, and protect. Um, whether it's um, you know Hoppies or um, Lucas or whomever, they've all got these products, right? So the point is, is that you wanna you wanna kind of flush out that recoil spring tube from the the muzzle to the butt uh, butt pad direction, right? So you're going to flush all that stuff out at the, at the butt pad end of that tube, there's a little weep hole and everything that you're springing in there will come out of that weep hole. Okay. If you use a CLP type product, you flush it out, you work the spring back and forth a few times. Um, basically I tell people to do it until it comes out the same color that it went in. Um, and once you get to that point, you just kind of sit the gun up, uh, vertically, right. Um, with the muzzle up in the air and that, and that um, tube on the, on uh, the table um, and, and gravity will let any excess kind of drip out through that weep hole. You let it sit for an hour or so. You don't need to let it sit very long. Pick it up, um, wipe off any excess with a rag um, and then go back to go and uh, assemble the gun. As it relates to oiling the, the, the front part of the gun, you really only need like four drops of oil. And I say drops, not sprays or squirts, four drops of oil. You put, you put a couple of drops on each bolt rail, you put it all back together, you're ready to go. Um, some of the mistakes that a lot of people make, uh, one of the biggest mistakes is that they don't use good oil, right? They use WD-40 or dry lubes or whatever 
kind of oils out there. Um, you just need an all-purpose bundle oil is what you need. Um, the other mistake is that they apply way too much of it. Um, and when you apply too much oil, you have two, two things that happen. Number one is it um, acts like a magnet for debris, right? Whether it's unburned powder or dust or dirt, too much oil will, will like all that stuff will gravitate to it and get stuck in it. Um, and that'll make your gun get dirtier sooner, right? The other thing that's bad about too much oil is that when you're hunting in, in, in you know, sub-freezing temperatures, that oil gets, uh, the viscosity, it, it gets thicker, right? It gets slower. Um, and too much oil can actually slow down the action. So, you know, basically in a nutshell, what I'm saying here is um, maintain your recoil spring tube, right? The spring in the tube um, and use good oil and don't use too much oil. Okay, so you said you had a preference in your brake free as far as the parts go. Do you have an, an unsponsored oil that you would recommend that 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 accompanies a Benelli very well? Can you use the Benelli oil for this part of it? Four drops of that. You can, yeah, sure. Um, and and I should probably say that's what you should use. Um, but you know, you asked what I personally do, um, and I use CLP for everything. I use it to clean. I use it to lubricate, and obviously, if I'm wiping down the ex. ex exterior of the gun i use it to protect the, the metal so does, does is brake free clp that's a spray can correct uh you can get it in a variety of different forms can you get it in an oil form with the drops yeah yeah you can get it in a dropper you can get it in a in a gallon jug you can get it in an aerosol can you can get it in just about any way you want and look i i'm not here to promote brake free clp i'm just I know not you, i'm but just I like recommendations i think recommendations yeah. are good it's worked for you that's what I use. I've used it since I was a kid. Um, I've probably got 10 different, you know, whether it's an aerosol can, I think I've got a gallon jug down in my basement. Um, I've just used it forever. I will tell you, um, in our, in our repair department, um, it's, it's been a while since I checked with them, but I believe they're using Lucas products, um, which is uh, Lucas makes a cleaner in oil as well. Um, I think that's what they we're using in the repair department right now, but I possibly could be mistaken. Lucas. Yeah. So you made a comment in there, which I think is false. If I put you on a, a lie detector, 10 to 15, 10 to 15 days a year hunting, Sheesh. maybe in September. Um, well, you know, unfortunately <laughs> it's the same old story applies for me. Right. I mean, the same old story of, uh, you know, the plumbers sink leaks and the mechanic's car doesn't run. You know, the guy that's making hunting shotguns doesn't get out to hunt nearly as much as he used to. Um, so, you know, I, I go every chance that I can get, um, but, you know, life throws you some curveballs. And, and we mentioned earlier, I got all these, these little ones running around. So time is pretty valuable right now. Um, I hope to get, get out more in the future, um, but we'll just have to see what happens. What's one that sticks in the forefront of your brain? You've been all over Africa. You've been all over South America, Canada, Al Alaska, the continental United States, hunting, waterfowl, wing shooting, doves. You've hunted quail i know you've been on pheasant hunts you've been on partridge hunts you've been on lots and good duck and goose hunts what what one and i'm not looking for anything about the foul eye for nothing but what sticks on the forefront of your brain going to all the places that you've been in in, the, in this world hunting you know I, my answer is it probably won't surprise you because i think i think my answer is basically the premise of a lot of the stuff that you do chad and that is for me personally it's not it's not about the animal right it's not about killing a, uh, a sable in, uh, in South Africa. It's not about, you know, hunting, hunting, you know, pigs in Europe or, or whatever. It's, it's about the people. 
um, and, and sharing the time with people, whether it's we're ribbing each other in a, in a duck blind um, or we're walking a pheasant field together, watching the dogs work. That's really what it's about for me. Um, so yeah, I've been in some exotic places. They've been really, really cool. And, and I, I cherish every one of them. But, you know, some of the greatest times for me are just are just sitting in a goose pit with some buddies cracking up. And we may not even shoot a bird all day. Um, but that's really what it's about for me. I agree 100 percent. Our Argentina trip was one to reckon with, though. I mean, good times, laughs, unbelievable food, Monty Baldwin. I mean, it was just on a different level of experience. And not to mention, we killed we kill a lot of rosy bills. And, and we had a fantastic display of athleticism on that trip as well. The, the basketball game is not what you're talking about. <laughs> Anybody that wants to see that, please go watch the Foul Life last season, season 11, and see George play my brother Clay in the one-on-one basketball game in downtown. Or I don't remember the name of the little town in Argentina, but we had locals surround us, and they left after the first drive to the hoop. They're like, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, I, it was, it was eye-opening. <laughs> I agree with you, man. I think that this, this life is so special and it's, it's humbling on so many different levels. And just this conversation right here to be privy to this information, be able to get it out there because I have a friendship with you and a partnership and a business relationship. And you guys are the title sponsor going on year number eight of the foul life. And um, that's just, that's a big deal to me to be associated with the number one shot shotgun brand in the world. You can continue to innovate. And I know that you, you play a big role in that. And I know that you give a lot of the credit to the engineers, but you too deserve a lot of the credit for the ideas. Idea man, idea men um, are, are very, very well suited and well needed in any business. And you got to have that and you have to have execution on the other end of it. So kudos to you can kudos to the super black Eagle three, the best technology, the coding, the finish, um, for more details, I, you know, they can go on Benelli, BenelliUSA.com and get as many, as many details as you want on the best coding and technology. It's all up there for your reading pleasure and enjoyment. When will the customer plan to see these on the shelves? Oh, they're out right now. They're out right now, everybody. You heard it here at the Foul Life Podcast. You can go to your local dealer and check out the new Super Black Eagle 3 and 26 and 28-inch barrel or the Ethos with the best technology applied to them, go get it, shoulder it, check it out. And I'm telling you, you will never have a shooting experience. In my opinion, it's, it's just not going to happen. I think it, you, you can say the word status symbol. I don't look at Benelli as a status symbol. I know that a lot of people save for a lot of years to get their first Benelli. I think it's more of a, a way to generate more pride. It generates more excitement. It generates more success. It generates more dependability, more consistency, all everything that you want wrapped up into a hunt. A Benelli is an integral part of that. And I always talk about taking that blank canvas and throwing the oils at it. And now here we are in this series of the essentials of duck hunting. And I think Benelli is an essential of duck hunting. It is. It's the essential gun of duck hunting, goose hunting, waterfowl. George Thompson, thank you very much. I will let you get back to what were you playing before I called you Donkey Kong or Pac-Man? <laughs> no, I was, it's a nice day. So we were just trying to keep them in the yard is all we were trying to do. <laughs> just trying to do that. Well, by the, by the looks of the walls that are behind you, I think you're probably listening to George Strait, baby blue. That's a good country <laughs> song for us to go out on by the King of country. George, any closing words? You know, Chad, thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, thanks for everything that you do for us and, and the support of our brand. Um, we're very happy to, to be partnered up with you. And thanks to everybody listening for, um, if you don't own a Benelli, at least for listening and maybe giving them a look next time you're out you know, shopping for something. Guys, check it out. Girls, check it out. BenelliUSA.com. George Thompson, a good friend of mine, a very good ambassador of the culture 
of the American Duck Hunter, of the Benelli Shotgun. I am very proud of our partnership. Tom, do me a favor and hit that button. We don't need to talk about Benelli being a sponsor of this episode. It was it was uh, enough said. George, thank you very much. This song you're going to hear is called My Foul Life by the rock band 2AM Logic. Support the partners and sponsors that support us. Brand new episodes of the Foul Life airing right now on the Outdoor Channel. And get ready for Season 12 coming your way into June, beginning of July, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. If you want any of our older content, you can get a 30-day free trial right now at my outdoor tv to see all these benelli's in actions hit that button tom thank you all very much